Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll, I'll have, what um, do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Can have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Ladies and gentlemen, it is summertime finally here in Pennsylvania, and we are looking forward to that November 2nd cold front where you're in a tree stand early in the morning and that buck of a lifetime walks out in front of you. Well, what are you going to do next? You have to draw your bow. You have to make the perfect shot. You have to send that arrow right through the vitals. But what if your bow's not tuned? What if you haven't been shooting all year? What if you haven't headed down to Williams Archery yet and got your bow tuned and got it shooting right so you can make that shot on November 2nd on a buck of a lifetime? I call that foolish, my friends, because you need to get down to see Ron and Linda Williams at Williams Archery. You need to get in there. You need to get your bow tuned up. You need to get those hands-on lessons. That's what it's going to take, guys. If you want to kill that buck of a lifetime, don't sit on your couch and say, hey, I want to kill big buck. You need to get out and get your bow ready to kill that big buck. You need to go pick up the accessories that you need to kill that big buck. Where do you do it? Williams Archery, of course. I mean, it's the only place around here that I go to. It's my hometown. You know, Edinburgh, PA, that's just down the street from me. I grew up here. That's where I want to be when I have to depend on my bow to kill the buck of a lifetime. So give Ron and Linda Williams a call at 724-667-9660 and let them take care of you. Welcome to episode 48 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and join me in the Rack Shack because this is the place to be. Charles Hedlund, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. Episode 48. 48. Rot row. Oh, we I'm made excited it. About that. We're two away from the big 5-0, man. From the big 5-0. Woo! I think that's going to be a good one, too. I hope it is. I hope we can get who we want to get on. Hell, I think 49 is going to be good. 49 will be good. I can promise you that. <laughs> because 48 is going to be phenomenal phenomenal i like it man 
Yeah, this is going to be a really good episode. Yeah, um, we recorded this on my birthday. We did record it on your birthday, birthday morning. I don't know how you can have a better birthday than drinking beer with your buddy, podcast, and talking to somebody super freaking cool. At what time in the morning again? It was like 8 in the morning. <laughs> and we were we were hammering beers like it was our job. So, you know, it's always good when you do that. I walked into a Twisted tea straight to the face. Let's go. Straight to the face. Austin's like, okay, it's my birthday. You got to do this. Yeah, man. Okay. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> and then it was just one bush light after another. And then, and then Brooke came down with two more. And uh, we had to do another round of Twisted Tea chugs in the middle of the episode. So if you hear a little gook, 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 that is us crushing a Twisted Tea. Thank you for that bush latte. You're very welcome, sir. Beautiful thing. But yeah, man. I mean, other than that, I think it was honestly one of my favorite episodes for... For, like, dudes to talk to, like, overall, yeah. you know what I mean? This is one that we look forward to for a long time. Yeah. You know, this is one guy that probably got me going into podcasting, to be honest, listening to his episodes on The Working Class bow hunter. Some of the greatest episodes. Absolutely. I, I mean, mean, those ones are, they're, they're funny. Mm -hmm. He can be informative. He goes on rants that, like, blow my mind. Like, <laughs> it was really hard to get him on, honestly. Not, like, because he's he's just so freaking busy. The guy works three jobs and... He's a farmer, and he's working right. on the freaking road crew. Yeah, with the bad weather kind of and stuff. stuff, you know, he was tough to get yeah. it. Because every time you get nice weather, he had to go out and do hay or, <laughs> yeah. you know, work on the farm and do what he have to do. And we get it, you know, and our, our schedules aren't exactly easy to work with either. Right, You know, right. sometimes, but I've been working a ton of hours lately. Yeah. Not today. Not today. I think I made a turn, man. It's finally time. Hunting season. Let's yeah. go. Hunting season's almost here. We're inside of a month. Yeah, I'm excited. Early man. season in PA. I need to shoot more than I have been. I'm. I started a new job, and I've been freaking beat every day. Honestly, yeah. when I get home from work, I'm like, <laughs> I know I need to shoot my bow, but <laughs> I shot yesterday for a good while, just trying to get my pins dialed in. I think I'm gonna move my pins set up from 20, 30, 40 to 25, 35, 45 yards. There you go. I think that's a little bit better. Well, I mean, if you think about last year in Ohio, I had, what, four or five opportunities at bucks at 50 yards mm -hmm. in the wide open. Yep. If I had a 45 pin, then all I have to do is put that, you know, high lung and squeeze one off. As long as I practice and I feel comfortable, that's the shot that I would be willing to take and under the right circumstances. You want to know what I think? I think we have plenty of time to do it. I think you should put a single pin on your bow. A little HHA mm. action. Not this year. Whatever. I used to shoot a, a single pin. Not an adjustable single pin. Right. You know, I did like that, that two pin with a floater on the bottom. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of that because then I have three fixed pins. Yeah. But if I have to adjust or if I have the time to adjust, because you know how it works. Sometimes things happen very quickly. They can, man. And especially this year, if I'm going to be bringing a camera up into the tree with me a lot and self-filming, there's going to be a lot going on when I'm looking to make a shot. I agree. So I don't want to have to worry about the camera. Worry about getting it on record, get it on deer, and then the whole time I never adjusted my sight. Yeah. I you know it. what I mean? Yeah. So I, I I switched from a one pin to a three pin for that reason, just because that was a fixed one pin and I was always guessing at yardage and, you know, how high do I hold and what about at this body size of a deer and that body size of a deer? I like to put a pin dead smack on the kill zone and let it rip. I feel you, man. I feel you. So until I get used to it, I will possibly go to a... Single pin, adjustable, but I, I'd like to get used to it first, maybe. I feel you. You can shoot my bow a couple times, see yeah. if you like it. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But anyway, who do we have on the freaking show this week, man? Did we mention his name? We have not. It's Clint Casper week, mofos. It's Clint Casper. Clint he Casper. He is a freaking stud. 
What the aka the chipmunk? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was super excited for this episode. He did not let us down one bit. Man, it went in no type of direction in which I wanted it to go, and at the same time, it was the most perfect Clint Casper esque episode that I could have ever imagined. Agreed. Agreed. I, let's just get them on, man. We can't keep talking. Nobody wants to hear us. Yeah. All right. Let's get them on the phone. Let's go. All right, guys. On the phone with us today, the one we've been waiting for since we started this podcast, the one, the only Clint Casper, the Ohio Big Buck Panty Dropper. Clint, what is going on, my man? Who I'll tell you, old uh, old Steve from Working Class is gonna. He, he's he's got a he's got uh, some competition in the uh, the intros. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. You, you know, usually he's pretty hard to beat for the uh, the, the intro game. He's uh, I don't know, man. He, he might get called out there. That was that was pretty good. Oh <laughs> uh, shit, man! I held back a little bit. I was gonna go farther with it, but I held back. I was like, you know uh, what? You can't you can't show all your cards on the first. That's round. right. That's right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, pump, pump to me on, dude. Man, shit, it's been, uh, gosh dang, with our schedules and whatnot and just this crazy time of the year for me, crazy time for you guys. And it's been hard to freaking get this together. But yeah, man, I'm pumped to, uh, pumped to be on Saturday morning early. Got the, uh, I guess you'd call it a little, uh, little coffee session going on here, even though everybody's probably drinking bush lights. So <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, uh, Bro, we're drinking us. lattes, man. Yeah, uh-huh. don't, don't judge, don't judge us. We're only alcoholics seven days a week. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal, okay? That's <laughs> no, not that big of a deal. Could be worse. Could be eight. <laughs> Bro, I only drink two times a week. First for three days, then for four. Yeah, yeah exactly. Two, uh, yeah, so you really don't need classes yet. <laughs> oh, damn. All right, Clint. Well, for all the people out there living under a rock who just literally don't open the internet or Facebook or anything. Why don't you tell anybody out there who you are, what you do for a living, and where you're from? The people that aren't opening up uh, the internet or getting on Facebook, they're probably actually living better lives than we're living. (laughs) 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 I'm not going to lie. Part of me kind of likes that. I I think I kind of want to be them for a little bit. (laughs) Can't put you there. uh, No, man, from, uh, yeah, born and raised Northeast Ohio. Um, Born right here on a uh, dairy farm. You know, grew up farming and stuff, third generation of, uh, you know, grain farming and dairy farming. And then just recently uh, got out of milking cows and uh, dad and I is just running, um, you know, a bunch of beef cows and do a bunch of grain farming and whatnot. And uh, so I got I got two little guys uh, myself now that I'm raising up and uh, Easton's uh, three and Keaton's about to be seven months. So, uh, yeah, man, no, just, um, you know, living, living the life, doing a little bit of uh a little bit of outdoor writing, bow hunting and writing on the side and whatnot. I always wanted to do that. Can't really um, can't complain about what I got going on as far as on you know on my end. Uh, I work for the county highway department um, for the regular day job, Monday through Friday, seven to three. So that uh, that job allows me to do a lot of farming and a lot of a lot of bow hunting and and whatnot. So that's kind of my uh, kind of my gig. And got into the writing and stuff um, right after college. Started pounding that pretty hard. Always wanted to kind of get in the the magazine world and. Um, you know, that was before podcasts were really a big thing. Um, so now in today's, you know, world, it kind of goes hand in hand in the industry. Kind of if you're in the industry, you know, the, the podcast and the writing and all that kind of, kind of go hand in hand. So yeah, man, uh, full time write for Peterson's bow hunting and, uh, do a lot of freelance work for some other publications like deer and deer hunting and bow hunter and Eastman's bow hunting journal and a bunch of online stuff. Uh, run the blog over at, uh, working class bow hunter and, and some different things like that. So 
yeah, man, just uh, being a dad and uh, drinking beer and doing a lot of bow hunting. That's uh, that's kind of me in a little nutshell. That's quite the life. Uh, you know, we, we aspire to be a Clint Casper, but you assure us that that is a bad idea. Uh, we yeah, I'm gonna sh- have probably to figure out. That. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make some life. Some. I'm gonna have to make like some life plan charts for you guys, and we're gonna have to change that. <laughs> <laughs> oh we man, wanna be, we want to be Clint. No, no, you don't, Larry. Let's let's. We're gonna shoot for higher goals. <laughs> 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 no, oh, man. I, like I said, I can, no, I can't. I, I can't complain. I got uh, two healthy, uh, beautiful little guys that I get to uh, spend a lot of time with and, and do a lot of fun stuff with them. And I get to bow hunt a lot and, uh, you know, got three jobs, all three I love to do. So no, I can't, I can't complain, man. I'm living, uh, living, a, living a good life. That's for sure. That's awesome, man. Well, speaking of writing, I have an issue of Peterson's bow hunting in front of me. There's an interesting article on page 74. There sure I think is. That's, I'm pretty sure that's the one about kangaroo hunting. That's yes. exactly what it is. It is kangaroo yeah, yeah. hunting in the Midwest is the title. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. What? What to carry in your pouch, no pun intended. <laughs> Dude, that's a solid article, man. I picked it up the other day and I was like, damn, Clint Casper's in here. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one. I believe that is the uh, spot and stock article for that. That guys. is correct. The yep, art, the of, art stock. of stock. Yep. Yeah, that was a fun. That was uh, me, and, uh, me and my man Christian put that together. Christian Berg over there is uh, head editor. Got to be really good friends with him over the years. And he's kind of the guy that gave me my first, uh, kind of my first big. Um, you know, first big kind of trial run. I shot a buck I called Extra. But it would have been opening night of 2016, and that's still my biggest buck to date. He was 192 gross. Jeez, that stud. As soon as I killed him, it's kind of funny story. Um, good buddies with Levi Morgan, which every you know everybody knows Levi, and uh, I, I sent him those photos right after I I found him the next morning, and he's like, dude, uh, he's like, you you got to send those to you know, to Christian, man, he's like, I'm telling you, he's like, they're going to want that story. Cause I was talking, you know, he kind of was, he knew about the buck and I was showing him pictures all summer and he kind of knew like the history and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, dude, he's like, I'm telling you, man, he's like, I'm going to get a hold of Christian. He's, he's like, you need to, uh, you need to send him that story. Well, at that point I hadn't got in a mainstream magazine yet. I was still kind of climbing the ropes with like the local stuff, online stuff, stuff for free. I mean, I was just still trying to get like my name out there. Um, in the writing world, I mean, I was absolutely not saying that I'm anybody now, but back then I was literally not even on the map. I mean, <laughs> wasn't even like, not even a spot, you know, I mean, I just was just, young, you know, and there's so many writers that are older and have been doing it 30, 40 years. Those are the guys that are all, you know, I guess you'd say the veterans. And then between the veterans and the rookies, there's like a huge gap and there's just not a lot of space in that gap for Guys that are, you know, taking chances on the, the younger guys in these mainstream magazines just because they've already got the shoes filled from guys that have been doing it for so long, which makes sense. Oh, I definitely. mean, it does. You know, I mean, it makes sense. So basically, I Levi got a hold of Christian was like, hey, dude, you got to check this, this buck out, you know, my buddy, blah, blah, blah. So he calls me one night, you know, and that's kind of how it all began. He calls me and he, you know, I told him the story. He's like, dude, yeah, man. He's like, send, you know, send me the photos. He's like, you know, send me an article. So that was the first one that I ever had published. And it was through, you know, through Christian. And then as times went on, me and him have got to be really good friends. You know, we hunt together a lot. His son, Timmy, comes out. He's killed, you know, some turkeys with me and stuff. And, and you know, they always come out and hunt. And we always get to share camp a couple times a year. So so that kind of led into, you know, more and more articles. And then now, like I said, I write full time for those guys. So 
you know, it's all kind of snowballed off of that one article, you know, kind of into where it's at now. So it's, it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool story, you know, as far as how that kind of all transpired. But yeah, no, man, that's, um, yeah, that was a fun article. The art of the stock. That was, um, that was one that, you know, he kind of laid out for me and was like, Hey man, you know, I really want you to, to go through kind of, you know, the whole mental game and the physical game of what you're doing when you're on these stocks and kind of break it down. And, and, you know, and ever since I've got into Western hunting, you know, out there, if you can't spot and stock, or if you, if you don't try to do it, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be tough to fill tags. Cause I mean, there's just, there's just not a lot of applications out there where blinds or stands or, 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 I mean, with a rifle or muzzleloader, still hunting can be an awesome tactic, but with a bow, man, it's just, you know, spotting and stalking is, is definitely the higher percentage odds wise, tactic wise. So, so yeah, no, man, I'm glad you guys thought that was a cool article. I was, I was pumped with how it turned out. Christian had a, did a hell of a good job with the layout and the photos and stuff like he always does. He's a, uh, he's a wizard when it comes to that stuff. I just, I just write the article and send you the photos and I'm like, here you go, buddy. Make me look cool. And he's like, okay. <laughs> awesome. He, he told me this year, he said, he, he just told me the other day, he's out in Montana hunting antelope right now. And he was sitting in a blind and I was talking to him there the other day, texting and yeah, he's like that, that stock article turned out so good. He's like, I made you look so cool, way cooler than you really are. He's like, you definitely are going to have to tie up a 150 for me. Cause he's coming, <laughs> cause, cause he's coming out, you know, to hunt the rut and stuff. And I, I think Timmy's going to come out with him for a few days. And, uh, so I told him, I was like, Oh yeah, dude, I was like, I got this stud. I'm like, he's freaking hitting all the time. I'm like, I've got him on like four different cameras. And I told him what farm and he's like, Oh, I remember that farm. We took you under that farm. I'm like, Oh yeah. So I get him all jacked up and he's sitting in a blind on public overlooking a water hole in Montana, like dying 90 some degrees. I mean, just in a heat box <laughs> and I'm, I get him all jacked up and I, I send him this picture of this like four corn and velvet that I got a few days ago. That's like, <laughs> you know, and he's like, well, send me a picture. I'm like, all right. So I like send him like seven pictures of this four corn. So like, I'm like, did you get the pictures? He's like, they're, they're downloading right now. They're all downloading right now. <laughs> and then they pop up and it's all these. And he's like, I think he's like, you didn't send me the right buck. And I, he's like, you said 150. I was like, 150 pounds. I was like, he's there. <laughs> all day. <laughs> all day. I was like, he's 150 all day, dude. I'm like, that buck will look so good riding back to PA. <laughs> he's like, that deer wouldn't even be legal where I'm at. I'm like, it's Ohio, dude. I'm like, there is no antler restriction. That's a legal buck. Three inches, man. Three inches. 150 all day. <laughs> but... Yeah, That's no, awesome. man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad you guys liked the, uh, like the article. He threw a little, uh, a little sidebar in there, um, which was cool about using that technique back home because there have been a few bucks that I've, you know, seen locked down with a doe or watched them bed down. And I've gotten out of the stand and pretty much just made a plan to go in on a stock, you know, and, um, and, oh man, you know, I mean, <laughs> That's a, it, it's a tactic now that I've got in my back pocket, even with whitetails. I mean, it's not the most ideal tactic to use around here usually, but sometimes, man, on the right application, I mean, shoot, dude, you can, you know, a few years ago, I killed a stud buck later on in the season, um, watched him bed down that morning on a south facing slope. He was going to be in the sun all day. I'm like, dude, this buck's going to lay down and get nice and cozy in the snow, in the sun, the sun's supposed to beat down all day. It's been cold for three days. Like this buck ain't going to go anywhere today. He's going to sit right there and soak up the sun, waited for the thermals and stuff to get, you know, kind of to where I thought they'd be steady towards the, you know, late lunch, mid afternoon. 
where I knew they'd be rising pretty good. Swung out around him, dude, and freaking snuck right down in on him and killed him at like two o'clock. I never would have even thought to do that without Western hunting being like the main focal point of what I've been doing here recently. And just that spot and stock mentality, like who knows if I'd ever caught up to that buck and killed him. I mean, who knows? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. It would have been a, you know, I, I don't know, but he was in like the perfect spot and my mind just immediately flipped to, man, you know, the snow's not crunchy. It's going to start to melt today. Like it's going to be warm. There's a pretty good breeze. I'm just like, dude, this is, this is going to be a legit perfect scenario. So, but yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, man, dude, I'm pumped. You guys, uh, pumped. You guys like it. I was, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty jacked to get that one out. I got a really good one coming up. Um, it's talking about debunking, um, myths and theories on buck beds. I'm really pumped for him to get that one out. I think that one's in like the, I think it's the October, November issue. I want to say. Oh, damn. But, uh, yeah, kind of running through, um, just my philosophy on buck beds, which is a, a polar opposite of what the 99% of the world is going to, most people are going to read that article and be like, either be like, wow, this guy's a super genius or well, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, I have read your article too, bow hunting outside your comfort zone. Uh, that was a pretty good article as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I'll tell you the the spot and stock, even in our area, it's actually not a bad tool to have, uh, you mm -hmm. know, in your pocket because nope. I've had, I've had moments where if I had been a little more patient, I, I came up on this deer. I was coming up to my spot. He was already in the oak flat that he was feeding in yep. and I'd seen him in the distance and he's, he had no clue I was there. And yep. I put a little stalk around him and cut him off, but I sat there for like 30 minutes and I started getting a little nervous. Like, ah, oh, this deer probably already fed off past me. I really need to get in a tree. And I kind of had that that urge like i gotta get back so i got up and kid you not i walked 20 yards and i look over and there he was still in the same spot feeding he picks his head up and looks at me and i'm like you son of a bitch i had him i had him done i mean i cut him off perfect i had him in a pinch point between a field and a drop off and it was like perfectly made out to be but had any knowledge at all because i've not hunted out west so i have no knowledge of spot and stock you know no experience doing it had I done that, you know, and and trained myself for this kind of tactic, that could have worked out in my favor, and I could have killed a huge buck early season, you know. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially if they're dist if they're focused on feeding, or they've got something to distract them a little bit, to where you know the focal point is not them just laying in their bed trying to figure out if there is danger around or kind of being on edge, but if they're up, kind of milling around, you know, like. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a saying that I'm, I, I'm going to take from my good buddy, Brian Barney over at Eastman's, but he's always said, you know, you like, you let the animal make the last move. So you get in within range and, or, or close to where you're comfortable shooting. And then you let them make basically the final move to get themselves killed. And I mean, that's a, that's something that, you know, like in that scenario there, if you can get out ahead of him. And you let that buck basically feed into you. I mean, he's making all the moves. You're, you're right, just hanging right. out, waiting on him to get in, get, get into where you can get him killed. And I mean, that's, you know, that's something that I'm fortunate. I've got to hunt with Brian and Dan and have got to watch those guys execute stocks and, and I've got to basically sit behind the glass and see them go through, you know, a stock from start to finish and how they're doing it and then ask questions on why and then, you know, kind of be able to 
put that back in perspective on my own stocks and stuff. So that's been a huge, you know, a huge key to my success on spot and stock hunting is just, I've basically got to learn off, in my opinion, the, the best public land bow hunter out there right now, in my opinion, Brian Barney. I mean, the, the, the dude's just a machine. Yeah. And, you know, but, but once you kind of have the confidence to do it, and once you sort of kind of have a feel for what you're doing, from that point on, it's basically all about just, you know, kind of putting a game plan together and executing the plan out. And I mean, kind of rolling with it as it goes. But once you get into that final few moments, if you can let that animal basically make the final move, whether it's you're waiting on a buck to stand to shoot him or you're waiting on him to feed into you another 20 yards or whatever. But once you get to that point, man, the hard part's done. I mean, you've, you know, you're there now. Like that's what's cool about it is if you can kind of get into the point where all the animals got to do is make the final moves and you're stationary now. You're not, you know, you don't have to move at all. That's like the perfect freaking, you know, that's the perfect play, man. That's, that's like the best. Yeah. And I think you said it perfectly confidence. I lack confidence in that stock um, because yep. I'd never done it before. I was young, yep. didn't know what I was doing. Um, yep. You know, and it cost me a deer in early season, but um, you know, and that's, I, I definitely agree with you that you definitely need that confidence, but it comes with experience, you oh, know, yeah. for and sure. I, and I, and, I, and then guys, guys will have asked me a lot over the last couple of years, you know, like, how do you gain it or what, you know, how, I mean, it's like, it's like anything else. You've got to go do it. And I'll tell you right now, for the, the people that are wanting to dive into Western hunting and they know they're going to have to, you know, play the glass game, play the spot and stock game, but they've never done it. Go hunt antelope. Antelope hunting with a bow, spot and stock is the most fun bow hunt. I, I'm sick right now that I don't have a 900 antelope tag in Montana pocket in my pocket right now. The last two years I've had one this year. I've just got so many hunts lined out. I just wasn't going to have time to fly in and hook up with Brian, but and Dan, but Dude, that hunt, you'll get so many stocks and antelope are so tough, but you get so many plays on them. And I mean, if you can get within a hundred yards of an antelope, you've honestly, you, you've won without winning, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. even though you might not kill that, that buck, like you, you might miss the shot. You might not get, you might need to get another 20 yards and you don't make it. But if you can get within a hundred yards, like, dude, you're getting pretty good at spot and stocking. Because, I mean, they're flighty, but there's lots of them around. You know, you go make a play on one, he blows out, you drive five miles down the road, you find another group, game on. Like, there's days where I get to go on five, six, seven stocks in a day. And there's huh. nothing better than literally getting your ass kicked by antelope to make you better. at. I mean, honestly, that's where my confidence came from was coming out there and antelope hunting. What I mean, you know, it's... Uh, it's literally a chess game with them and they're constantly moving. Sometimes they bed and they might give you 20, 30 minutes to hurry up and make a play. But I mean, a lot of times it's, it's a, you know, if it's a cat and mouse, they're moving, you're moving type of deal. So much fun though, dude. And I mean, literally it's one of them. It's one of those hunts where even if you don't feel your tag, you will leave a way better bow hunter than you came guaranteed hmm. because they, they will make you good. Like you'll learn stock one. You know, you got within 150 yards. You forgot to check the wind as you looped around. You know, let's say you're you're looping out around this big butte. You got to the other side. You forgot to check the wind, and he freaking busted you. Okay, as you're walking back to the truck in your head, you're like, shit. 
okay, well, that's what I did wrong on that one. I, I, you know, I, I wasn't checking the wind as much as I should have been. Stock number two, two hours later, you peeked up over a ridge line and he, he caught you. He skylined you. Okay. You're walking back to the truck. Shit. Okay. So I can't, I cannot do that anymore. I've got, you know, when I'm like, if you're going to peek over a ridge line, you basically got to be belly crawling. And I mean, keeping as low as possible. Like there is no peaking because those freaking things will catch you every time doing that. It's like they've got a radar on ridge lines to like, I mean, I, dude, there's times where I've just peeked my head over and, and literally have blown up the entire freaking group. And all you see is a dust cloud for the next four miles as they take <laughs> off. Like, in I mean, four but minutes. Like, yeah, I mean, but every, every stock though, man, every failed attempt, there's something you will learn to do better or not to do or, like it is the best way because so many guys are like, dude, I want to go hunt elk. Dude, I want to go hunt mule deer. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, go hunt antelope. And they're like, yeah, but I just don't really. I'm like, no, before you go and fight for a freaking title fight, you got to go win a couple fights beforehand against other contenders. Once you get those under your belt, then you go and you prepare for your title fight. And I feel like that's like antelope hunting, antelope hunting. Will just teach us so much. I mean, it's just one of those hunts where you're going to get lots of stocks. The tags aren't hard to draw. Cause here's the deal. Like I'm about to take off here in a couple of weeks and go hunt Colorado high country for velvet bucks for muleys. That hunt is a totally different hunt. You might work five or six days for one stock. Wow. You better make it count. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's exactly where I was going with that. Like if you don't know what you're doing, and you put in 50, 60 miles at 13,000 feet, you're basically living up there, killing yourself for one stop. Here's your opportunity. Dude, plain words, plug your ears if you're a young child listening to this, but you better fucking have your shit together because you're literally about to have one opportunity at the entire, I mean, this is it. This is your whole tag right here. Now, I'm not saying that you might not have another one you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're not going to have five or six stocks a day on muley bucks. That's just not, that's just not how that game's played. I mean, it's just, it's just not that way, you know? I mean, and especially if you're looking for, um, you know, a really good buck, you might babysit a buck for three or four days until he beds in a spot that's actually stockable. It, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just a totally different game. But if you've never done it, you're throwing all your chips on a stock and you've never actually even really made a stock yet. No, that makes so total just, sense. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. and, and, and not saying that you won't do it, but I just mean like an antelope hunt is such a cool hunt because like I said, you just, you get to gain confidence and you get to figure out what works, what doesn't, you know, I mean, it's just, it's one of those hunts where it's, it's a fun hunt. Even when you're getting your ass kicked, it's still fun. Because you're getting to make plays, you're getting to have stocks, you know, it's, it's not like you're, uh, you're driving clear out there and you're going to get one chance. And it's like, you know, in the mule deer elk game, you might work all week for one opportunity. And it's like, dude, you blow that. That might be it. You know, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's the brutal reality of like Western hunting, you know, at, at certain levels, you might only find, you know, like, a 170, 180 buck, you might find one and it might take five days to get in on him. He beds in the right spot and this is it. I mean, this is your, you've only got seven, eight days to hunt. It's day six. You've worked all week for this freaking moment. And it's like, okay, I mean, 
like you guys said, you better make it count. Because, yep. <laughs> I mean, once you, once you blow him out, I mean, it's public land. He's got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of miles to go. I mean, who knows where he's going to end up? You know, it's not like whitetail hunting back where, where we're from, where literally that buck will probably circle right back into where he was just bedded. And you just bumped him out of within a day or two, literally out there. It's anyone's game where he's going to go now. Who knows? I mean, it might <laughs> mm-hmm. take, like, I mean, I remember two years ago, I, I, I failed a stock on day two on a, on a big buck in Colorado. And I, it took me five days to find that buck again. And I was like four miles away. Pro- I probably looked in 10 other basins trying to figure out where he went, could not find him, finally found him like miles away. And, he was back to just feeding, doing his thing, you know, I mean, just, but, but he literally, that was it. You know, he, he blew out of there and for whatever reason, moved a couple mile and I wasn't even expecting to find him in there. And I did. And I was just like, holy shit, I'm three or four miles away from where I was a couple of days ago. And he's here now, you know, and it's like, you know, it literally took me, I think it was either four or five days to relocate him. And at that point, I had given up even trying to relocate him. I was just trying to re- relocate another good buck to go make plays on. But yeah, you know, that was a failed stock on day two. And it literally took me, you know, four days, five days to even find, stumble into that deer again. Yeah. And like you said, if you're not ready when that moment comes, because you haven't already experienced it, you're pretty much done from the start. I mean, you're yeah, out well, there and, just kind of guessing. And, you know, it's just like in the whitetail, in the whitetail world, everybody today, the standard is 150. Everybody's, I'm only shooting if it's, you know, and, and I'm not going to go on a rant because I have went on rants on this before. And, and I, I kind of want promise. you to go on that rant about climbing the ladder. I'm not going <laughs> to well, lie to you. I got it written down I, here. I just, it just, it, I just, <laughs> it kills me when I see and I read and I, I try not to get caught up in, in the, the, the social media, like the negativity and stuff. Cause man, like just hunt how you want to hunt, kill what you want to kill, be happy, be proud. Like, but some of this stuff I read and I'm just like, you know, I see this younger generation of hunters, you know, that are just getting into bow hunting and they've killed one deer with a rifle or a shotgun and they've shot one doe with a bow. And now it's, I'm only going to kill something, Clint, if it's a 150, how do I do it? And I'm like, <laughs> all right. So you you mean to tell me, Number one, a 130, because I mean, I, I mean, truly, I'm not an inches guy. I mean, right now, my honestly, maybe my favorite buck that's hanging on my wall is that big freaking six point from two years ago that I shot in late season that was eight and a half years old. And literally, he doesn't even go 120. No, I mean, but he's a freaking stud. The man. big six is well, oh. if, you know, for, for me, he honestly is probably maybe my favorite buck. And people are like, You've killed three booners with your bow. How can that be? And I'm like, uh, inches are great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's all. Like, you want to let a 170 walk in front of me every year that I kill? Hey, absolutely. I'm all for it. I'll shoot you. Hey, great. But that age deal is, I mean, for me, that's just as cool, if not cooler, because you're beating the wizard at his own game. I mean, and that's, that's why I love bow hunting. That's why I only bow hunt, because it's a very personable, one versus one deal. I mean, it's a chess match. You know, there is no like, oh, you know, he's 800 yards away. Let me set my turret. Nothing against the rifle guys, but that's just not my game. I want to get in close and basically kill you in your bedroom or kill you in your kitchen. Or, you know, I want to say I snuck in literally 
tight to where you're sleeping without you knowing you got up, moved, didn't know I was there. And I punched you through the lungs with a sharp stick. Like that's, that's my, that's just my game. And the older a deer gets, the more, the harder that usually gets. And it's just fun to win those battles because you don't get to win them that often. But so when someone comes and says, Hey, man, I want to kill, you know, I'm only going to shoot a 150. And I'm like, okay, but are you ready for that? Like, so a 150 walks in at 37 yards. He's standing there quarter and away. Here's your opportunity. You've only killed one doe with your bow. One. You got one deer under your belt. Now you're telling me mentally you're going to be able to hold it together on a 150, which is going to look like a 240 inch buck to you because you, you've literally only, you've only killed one buck and one doe. Now you got a 150 in front of you and you're going to work your ass off for this opportunity that realistically probably chances are you're going to blow because you're just not ready for that yet. And that's kind of where I'm just like, man, you know, that's a tall order to, to ask someone, how do I, how do I kill a 150 when I've never really even killed a, a basket rack yet? Because you can't anticipate, you know, the adrenaline that that's going to be in. And I mean, you've never been in that moment yet. And it's like, it's hard to, you can't really teach somebody how to do that. I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that comes from shooting deer. I mean, I can remember when I first started bow hunting, I don't know how many deer I airballed at 20 yards. I mean, airballed, like, you put a tennis ball out there at 20, 30 yards and I'll hit it all day. You put a doe in front of me when I was like 12 at 20 yards feeding and say, hit it. <laughs> I wouldn't even, I mean, I, I was, I was airball. I mean, it wasn't even right close. over the back. I mean, like I remember sometimes literally laughing, being like, how did you shoot four foot over its back? Like what, what, like, I mean, all, all I could do was laugh as I walked back to the, like to the farm that night. Like, I'm just like, I, Dad's going to be like, well, how'd tonight go? And I don't even know if I can tell him I just shot five foot over a doe's back of 15 yards. Like, I mean, he's going to look at me and be like, how? What the hell? How? What do you mean? Like, how? You know, what'd you do? Throw it at it? Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> but like, you know, once you, you know, once you start to, to get some kills under your belt and figure out, you know, how to keep yourself calm, you know, how to hunt bucks, how to hunt does, how, you know, just climb your way up that ladder you'll get to the point where it's time to go hunt a five or six year old buck or, okay, I'm only going to, for the guys that put the, the inches bar, which I mean, I'm just not a fan of the whole, Hey, I'm only going to kill a 150, but at what, whatever, like if that's your deal, I mean, Hey, go for it. Like nothing against you. But if you're not ready for that and then you go into that and then you fail, it's like this huge giant kick to confidence, kick to the nuts, kick to whatever you want to call it. And then I see guys lose interest because, oh, well, that sucked. That's no fun. You know, I did all this work, but yet I blew my opportunity. And then it's like this huge, you know, archery career ending thing that just took place. And it's like, dude, but you've only killed two deer with your bow. Like, I mean, what, not trying to be mean, but what did you honestly expect to happen when this big buck walks out in front of you and now you've got to make this big time shot in a big time situation that you've never actually even been in before. I mean, it'd be like, you know, it's the Super Bowl and I've got to hit a fade route to win the freaking game, you know, two seconds left. And I've got to literally put this pass on the money. I, <laughs> mind you, I've never played quarterback, you know, <laughs> yep. like I, I've never, I've never played quarterback in football. But now you're telling me you got one opportunity. You better thread the needle on this fade route or it's, that's it. It's over. There's your opportunity. You got yeah. one chance to, it's like, well, I mean, 
you never even practice that. Like I've never even, I mean, I, okay. Like, and that's basically what you're doing. Sort of similar, you know, situational scenario there. And, uh, you know, I just tell guys all the time, man, like kills, you know, there's nothing better to prepare for the real deal than to actually do the real deal. Shoot those. Dude, when I was a kid and I never see people do this anymore. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just not cool. I, I don't know, but. You know how many groundhogs I've shot over the years and hunted with my bow when I was like starting into this? Oh yeah, dude, I, I've done that. That's all I did. Like I literally had probably more <laughs> fun doing that than I did actually shooting at deer because it was literally a game of like whether you killed it or you didn't. It was just all about the fun of freaking flinging arrows, but it was a live, living, breathing animal. My adrenaline would get going like I was shooting at a deer, but it was a freaking groundhog out there at 25 yards. Like, but those are the scenarios that they prepare you then for whenever it is a buck standing in front of you. It's it's so different to shoot at a target. I mean, I've seen so many guys that can drill X's all day on a target, whether it's five spot, Vegas, 3D target. You put a buck out there at 35 yards standing broadside and say, kill it. In five arrows, I don't know if they'd even hit the deer. Because yeah, good luck keeping your composure. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's just, that's just not, that's not a scenario that they're ever in, but they can be in that scenario, but they're holding out for a 150. But then a 150 does walk out and then it's like mentally, they just come unglued, you know, and yeah. then it's Clint, what do I do? You know, I don't understand. And I'm like, dude, like not trying to be a dick, but what did you, you know, <laughs> what did you truly think was going to happen? I mean, when I was coming up, just starting into bow hunting, like I said, I couldn't even hit those. I mean, I couldn't even, <laughs> let alone a 150. Like, I probably would have dry fired my bow on a 150 when I was 13. I mean, forgot to put the arrow. Like, I mean, chances are, I mean, I, I might have like, who knows? I mean, maybe I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I can remember some of my first encounters with big bucks when I was, you know, I was shaking so bad sometimes I had to actually sit down so I did not fall out of my lock on. I mean, my legs were trembling. Like it was like there's in my head as the buck walked by, I didn't have a shot opportunity. And there were times where I remember thinking, you know what? I'm almost sort of happy that I didn't even have an opportunity to even attempt to shoot at that buck because there's absolutely no way in holy hell would I have even gotten close to hitting it. And all I really would have done would spook me. Yeah. I mean, because I was like, at that point, I just was not able to control mentally my mind and my emotions on how jacked up I was. Like, I mean, I'll never forget. I was a senior in high school. So I would have been, uh, I would have been, I would have been 17 that fall. And I, I was hunting this buck. And he was, and he was probably a legit 145, 150, you know, I mean, but to me at the time, like, oh, I, I probably thought he was a booner. You know what I mean? Cause Uber I mean, back giant. then, it, oh yeah. Cause I mean, back then, I mean, I, I, I just, I hadn't killed that many big ones. So like every, every big one just looked stupid big to me. So I remember this is so funny. Cause like I can still remember like being in the tree picturing this. So this, this buck's walking towards me. It's during the rut and, uh, purposely called off that morning, like, like played the whole, Hey, I'm sick. I'm not going to school. It was per perfect moon phase, big temperature drop. It was like right after my birthday, I think it was like November 7th or 8th. And, uh, here he comes. I mean, I'm watching him. He's, he's literally, he's walking right down this funnel. I got in there super early. I already had the tree picked out, climbed up with my climber and literally right at daylight. I mean, I mean, it's perfect. Like this buck's reading the script, dude. 
I already had the fucking band playing, the trumpets <laughs> fucking going off, the fireworks. I had women showing me their boobs. Like, I mean, dude, this buck is already dead. This buck, this buck's walking in and I'm already thinking about how I'm going to mount him. Like, Oh my God, my dad is going to be so jacked to come help me drag him out. And all this shit is going through my head. He walks into 30 yards and I put it right over his back. And I put it over his back because mentally, mentally, I literally lost every ounce of focus that I could have possibly had. I pitched it out the window like an empty beer can. I mean, there was not one ounce of me that was concentrating on the final step, which is making a, a shot. No, it was literally the party after. And, and I remember sitting there almost in tears because I was so mad. Like I was at the point of almost in tears. I was so angry at myself. I remember getting down that night because I, I, I actually made myself sit there the entire day. My plan was to hunt all day. And even though I wanted to crawl down, throw my bow in the creek and walk home, I sat there all day. And I remember thinking about that scenario a thousand times and that missing that buck actually was probably the best thing that could have happened because from that moment, Sophie, like one eight, one eighty, because I knew exactly why that buck was not going to be riding home in the back of my truck that night. And it's because mentally I did not prepare myself as he was coming in to make a shot to kill that buck. Instead, I've already got the party started. And if you don't mentally prepare yourself for the shot, that moment, that three seconds of getting back to full draw, getting anchored, picking a spot and killing whatever you're shooting at, if you lose focus of that, dude, it's over. You may as well not even shoot because you're going to, you're going to mess up. And that was a prime example of me not being focused. So like from that moment on, that was like my main goal. I don't care if it's a groundhog, a squirrel, a freaking rabbit a buck, an elk, whatever, there was no more of that outside cloud going to come in. Like it was going to be, I'm going to focus on picking a hair, picking a spot, and that's it. And I mean, now, like, you know, there could be a band playing, there could be a freaking party going on. I, it, it is all going to be blocked out. And all I am literally focusing on is how am I going to get an arrow into this animal's chest? That's it. I mean, I've just mentally trained myself to not even think about anything outside of that solely focused on the task at hand. And I mean, if you want to be successful at killing stuff with your bow or a gun, you have to do that. You have to, because mentally you'll fall apart just like I did. And I mean, people laugh at that story, but like, and I mean, I laugh about it now, but like, I didn't feel a buck tag that year. That was my opportunity right there on a, on a freaking stud. 30 yards, had no clue I was there. I mean, not not a clue and completely blew it. I mean, completely blew it. And I had to think about that for an entire year till the next year, you know, didn't fill a buck tag. I had to think about that. I had to sit around. And, and I mean, like, honestly, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me switch my mental game from what was subpar to steel trap mode of, okay, Here's the problem. Here's how we're going to fix it. And from that moment on, it was a totally different mindset on when an animal's coming in. And I, and, and the moment of, okay, I'm, I'm going to get my shot. Now I flip that switch and I mean, it's all business. There ain't no partying until freaking afterwards. Like it is all business from here on out. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately it took me missing a freaking stud to, uh, to get to that point. But, uh, probably the best thing that ever happened to me, honestly. No, man, that, 
honestly, that is like, it's, it's so important to have your mental game down pat. Like you got to be cold blooded, man. You got to shut everything off. And I know yep. I even get crazy legs when I'm shooting does and stuff. And I have oh, to like yeah. physically like stop it, you know, cause yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm drawn back and my legs are shaking and I'm like, Oh, come on. Just stop it. My pins bouncing on them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. you know, and I've, I've killed quite a few deer with my bow. Yep. It doesn't matter. I still get the crazy legs. I still go crazy. I have to like shut that down and it's, it's terribly difficult to do, but yep. it just, it oh, is yeah. what it is. Yeah. I think the yep. mental game is huge. And I've heard someone say before that, you know, the way they kind of beat it is they get, they almost get angry at the deer. Like they get kind of mad at it in a way that like, you know, it keeps them focused and kind of very honed in on what they're doing to a point where they don't get excited. You know, they, they replace excitement with anger. And it works for him, you know, yep. and, and I think back on that after I heard that and I'm like, well, that, that makes total sense. You know, when I killed that, that big buck in 2017, you know, the night before I missed out on an opportunity on a different deer that I thought was the same buck, but it was a different buck. And I remember that second night when I had the opportunity on the big buck, just getting like total focus, like, no, you son of a bitch. I'm saying this, I'm like, no, you son of a bitch. You're not getting away a second time. You know, this is, you're yep. not getting away again you're dying tonight. And that's the confidence and the, the anger factor. Not like, a, you know, in a weird way, but like that little bit of an edge that you have to have to yep. get it done. And, and it all worked out great, you know, but I've, I've been in your shoes, Clint, when you're telling these stories and you're talking about these experiences, I'm thinking back to, you know, when I'm young and I had opportunities on some really nice bucks and, you know, and just selling arrows all over the place. I mean, 15 yep. yards broadside on this buck that I grunted in. And he stood at the base of my tree for 15 minutes. And when he finally turned and walked away, I draw back and he stops. And, you know, we have this game for a minute and a half. He finally turns broadside. I bet you he was no more than 10 paces. 10 yep. paces. And I missed this thing by God only knows how far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, it's... I, I, I've always said, uh-oh, I just heard one crack. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've always heard, you know, guys talk about, you know, oh, yeah, man, you know, you, it's it's just, you know, you can't beat buck fever and you, uh, you can't overcome this. And, and to a point, that's, that is true. I mean, the adre like, you're never going to shut your adrenaline off, but you've got to learn how to manage it. Yes. And you've got to learn how to perform under pressure with adrenaline present and and like for me it's like i'll talk to myself and i mean and people will be like okay you talk to yourself okay so what you're saying is you're fucking nuts and i'm like no like but <laughs> like as a you know as, as a an animal's coming in i mean i'm in my head being like okay this is it it's gonna happen now here, here we go, Clint. This is okay. Over here's 27 yards. If he gets to that opening, when he gets behind this tree, it's almost like a checklist of yes. it's a series. It's a series of events that I'm focusing on to get me to full draw. And that takes my mind off of looking at horns, off of thinking about party afterwards after this animal gets killed or whatever the case may be, how I'm going to mount it, all that bullshit. I'm focusing on, okay, when he goes behind that pine, I'm going to grab my bow off the hook. When he gets to this spot, I'm going to get my range finder. When he gets to here, I'm going to get back to full draw. And it's a series of events. I do the same stuff on a stop. In that spot and stop article, I talk about 
Oh, bummer. I guess you guys are just going to have to wait to hear the rest of the episode next week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had to cut it off somewhere. Yeah, I mean, we can't have him talking for like three hours. I don't know. Well, I mean, we could have. I could talk to him all day. I don't care. I kind of wanted to talk to him for three or four hours. I know, but you know what? He's a busy man. He is a busy man. And it was your birthday. It was my birthday. I had other stuff I had to do, like drink beer and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, well, you were already doing that. That's not a good excuse. Yeah, whatever. No, I mean, it was just that Clint Casper is such a great guest. And instead of letting you guys enjoy him in one long episode, we're going to give you two really good, solid episodes. Yep. So that's how we we figured we're going to split this thing up and just rock two great episodes. Absolutely. So with that said, you guys can always find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Go Wild, Twitter. You on the Twitter sphere again? You back on? No, I'm not. Get on it, kid. Dude, I just started picking it up on Instagram and Facebook again, okay? Okay. It's all good. You do you, boo-boo. Lay off me. All in sweet time. You can always send us an email. I haven't mentioned that in a while. Mm -hmm. At the Podcast at gmail.com. If you could do us a humongous favor and head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review, that would be greatly appreciated. If you took a screenshot of that. What are we going to do for them? We're going to send you a sticker. I just got a whole brand new thing of stickers, too. That's right. I ordered more. I got 50 more stickers, so we're freaking loaded with stickers. Ooh, this sticker Send us some... Send us some uh, some screenshots on like Instagram or Facebook. Just PM us, and uh, we'll send you out a send you out a sticker for yeah, it. Yeah, it's real simple. Go on your iPhone. You go down to the bottom after you click on our our episodes. You go to the bottom. And there's stars right there. Click a five star. Take a screenshot of it, and there you go. Yeah. Send it in to us. Send it to us on our our DM us. You know, slide into those DMs. Send it our way, and we'll send you out a nice decal sticker, man. Yeah, and if you're feeling super frisky, leave a review. You don't have to do that, but if you want to, you can. And to top that off, you you guys are listening to Clint Casper. Go check out his social media. It's a lot better than ours. It's way better than ours. He kills <laughs> way bigger deer than us and way bigger deer than most people. And he's just a cool <laughs> dude. So check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Love him to death. He's an awesome guy. Uh, can't wait to get him on an, again on another episode, man. Absolutely. Well, next week. Well, I mean, like, talk to him again. I agree. It'll be good. <laughs> it's going to be a new episode for everyone else. I get it. Yeah. I, I see what you did there. I feel you. <laughs> yeah, that's the man. <laughs> All right, the distraction is real. The distraction is real. <laughs>